I recently helped hundreds of people achieve more in a few months than they had the previous several years. And now I'm getting ready to open up another challenge where I want to help you do the same. Here is actually a short testimonial of someone who was in that challenge. This challenge was hands down the best thing I did all year. And I appreciate the time, energy, and heart that you put into it. My name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. I'm an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of many books that have now sold millions of copies. Click the link down below and watch this free training where I will show you these frameworks on how you can achieve more in the next 90 days than you possibly have in the last five to 10 years. Click the link down below and watch the training before it goes away. Hello and welcome to the Be Your Future Self podcast. I'm Dr. Benjamin Hardy, author of Be Your Future Self Now. Be sure to visit futureself.com where you can get the one-page Future Self checklist as well as the full Future Self course and other amazing goodies. All of these are free at futureself.com. All you have to do is put your email in. You'll get an email with a bunch of amazing goodies, the one-page Future Self checklist, the full Future Self course, which will change your life, and other things such as the Peak State checklist and my ebook Slipstream Time Hacking, futureself.com. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode of the Be Your Future Self podcast. So a main question I get is how do you transform your identity? How do you change your identity and your behavior long-term? And this is actually a concept I've learned studying organizational psychology for almost a decade, but also watching the highest level entrepreneurs keep going to higher and higher and higher levels, not just entrepreneurs, but high level could be athletes, could be artists. You have to take your identity to a certain level and then ultimately create that in the outside world. So how do you do that? A simplest way of looking at it is standards. So your identity is basically two things. Your identity is the story in which you tell about yourself, mostly to yourself, but also it's the story that you believe about yourself. The second thing is, is that it's the standards you hold for yourself. So we all hold standards for ourselves. The standards are the things in which we're committed to as a person. And actually a core psychological definition of identity is basically the, the self-concept as well as the beliefs and standards to which you are most firmly committed. And so we are all committed to something. We're all committed to some various standards, and we've all chosen standards for ourselves to which we're committed to. By the way, we all choose our standards. And I'm going to give you a really interesting, useful strategy and set of strategies for continuously clarifying and then elevating your standards and then making those your new norm, even standards that seem impossible to you right now. So just as a simple example, I was recently back home with my family over the summer. We went and visited my family. I have a cousin who lives at my dad's house. And he's an avid World of Warcraft player. He's been playing World of Warcraft for decades. I actually played World of Warcraft even like 15 years ago. I was playing all the time. That was a reflection of my my identity and my standards and my commitments back then, right? Is that I was playing World of Warcraft like 10, 15 hours a day. Well, my cousin still plays about 10 or 15 hours a day, even 15 years later. And recently I was talking to him about it. And he said that he recently left his guild in the game. It's an online game with thousands of you know, online players. And he said he left his guild, which is his group that he was a part of. And he's part of an elite group. He's a very elite player. And I said, well, why would you leave your guild? And he said, well, these players are just not up to my standards. He said, I want to play with more serious players who I can go out and like achieve bigger goals with. And I thought that was really interesting that this group was not up to his standard. And so he left. And that's a really simple explanation of as people, we all have standards. And whenever you have standards, you say no to everything below that standard. And ultimately, we choose the areas that matter to us. And so one obvious question to you is, what are the standards that you care about? You can know by observing your own priorities, your own behavior, your own actions. Again, as people, our identity is whatever we're most committed to. And the way you change your identity is to change your story of yourself, your past, present, and future. We all have a past, present, and future self. And from a, from a psychology standpoint, 
I would also say from a physics standpoint, but mostly from a psychology standpoint, time is not sequential like we think about. It. It's not the past that's behind us, the present we're living in, and the future that's going forward. Time is holistic from a psychology standpoint. As people, we are all operating in the past, present, and future at all times. You're being impacted by your view of the past. You're also being impacted and driven by your goals and your your thoughts about the future. If you had zero hope in your future, if you had zero goals, zero ambitions, and you thought the future would be horrible, obviously that would impact who you are in the present. Similarly, if you didn't have a positive, hopeful, and post-traumatic growth-oriented view of your past, but instead if your past was disorganized and something you were avoiding rather than proactively transforming and learning from and creating meaning from, if you weren't learning how to make your past something you're grateful for and something you're happy about, no matter what happened, in other words, if you're not becoming anti-fragile, then if your past is a plague to you, (laughs) then of course you're going to be devastated and avoidance-based in the present and future. If you're avoiding your past and avoiding learning how to transform your past, uh, of course, then you're going to be avoiding other things in the future. You're going to be avoiding clarifying what you want. You're going to be avoiding having big goals. You're going to be avoiding courageously making power moves towards your future self. So as humans, psychologically, time is holistic. It's also nonlinear. You can actually transform your meaning of the past. You can also teleport yourself to the future, think about your future self, and then use your future self to dictate who you are and where you want to be right now. So as people, our view of time is holistic. Now back to the idea of standards. Your standards are whatever you choose to commit yourself to, and they're at the level you commit yourself to, and you say no to everything below that. So one obvious way to upgrade your identity is to tell a new story, clarify a new vision for your future self, and then ultimately you have to make it a standard. You don't achieve goals unless they become standards, and a standard means you're now committed to it and you now start saying no to everything below that standard. So as a simple example, you know, you start saying no to some action or behavior that just doesn't fit the new standard. The standard, by the way, is a filter. And fil- and, and that's really what your future self is intended to be. Your future self is intended to be a filter for decision-making. The standard is a filter for decision-making. Anything that doesn't meet the standard doesn't pass through the filter. And so once you clarify the filter, you also clarify what you're now saying yes and no to. Like on a like an identity standpoint, it, it can be very scary to commit to a higher standard and then start saying no to anything below the minimum standard. I'll give a few quick examples and then I'll tell you how you can really do this on a, on a psychological level. It's very powerful. So one of my good friends, uh, his name is actually Chad Willardson, he, and he is a financial advisor. He's an amazing guy. And he's someone who, when he was first starting out as a financial advisor, and this was like 20 years ago, he was going through a training program for Merrill Lynch, and he set for himself the minimum standard that he would not take any any clients with, with less than $100,000 to invest. So that was his minimum standard. He said, I'm only going to work with people who have $100,000 or more to invest. And his advisors, like in terms of his mentors and the people who are leading him as managers, taking him through the program, the training program, said, that's just impossible. Like, you're you're 24 years old, you've, you're a brand new advisor, like there's no way people with that kind of money are going to want to invest with you. You have to start like low, you know, you've got to start from the ground. And he said, no, this is the ground for me. And anyways, he would, he spent six months getting zero clients because it, I mean, it was pretty true that like he had no experience. He didn't know how to talk to people with even that much money, but he was making phone calls. He was learning, working, working. And ultimately after six months, he got a call back from someone who had $600,000 to roll into a retirement account because they remembered Chad. He had called them multiple times months before. They liked the field and so they wanted him to be their advisor. So his first client was actually a $600,000 client, 6X, what his managers told him would be impossible to achieve. 
And so he stuck with that standard. And after you get the first, he started really succeeding and ultimately started getting tons of clients, none below the standard he set for himself. And then ultimately, within a year of the program, he raised the standard to $250,000. He would not take anyone with less than that. And in other words, he would say actively and consciously no to anything below the standard. Even though there was lots of opportunity coming at him below the standard, he now made that his standard and he started saying no, no, no to that. And he also got a lot of no's. This is the key is, is that he got no's for six months and he got and once he raised his standard, he got started getting many, many no's at the old standard, even though he started to consistently normalize and get yeses at his old standard. This is the key is that as you raise your standard, it then has to become a norm. And usually to do that, you have to evolve not only your identity, but your strategy, uh, everything you do is then filtered by that. And it takes a while to grow into that. Two core concepts on this. One, I'll tell you, is a really great book, which is beautiful. The second one is a four-step model from Dan Sullivan, the co-founder of Strategic Coach, one of the like best entrepreneurial minds in the world. So the book is called Go For No. I love this book. I recently read this book. The book is called Go For No. And then the subtitle is Yes is the Destination, But No is How You Get There. And it's all about how once you like have some dream or goal, you start going for no at the level of your goal. And that's really how you start to um, you start to get it to your standard. Imagine you're a pub professional speaker, right? And you get paid $10,000 for a speech or whatever it is. And that's something that you've consistently been shown to be able to achieve. You've gotten many, many speaking engagements or whatever at that standard. Well, say you double that and you now raise your fee to 20 grand. And you start getting lots of no's at that level. You start going for no. You raise the standard. And rather than if they if if someone's offering you a gig or if you're out pitching yourself or people say no, you don't say, all right, well, I'll take 10. No, you say, no, it's either it's either 20 or none. And if, if you get a lot of no's at that level, that's okay. But then what happens when you start to get even just one yes at that new level? What does that do for your identity? What does that do for your confidence? Psychologically, uh, confidence is the byproduct of prior wins, prior successes, prior performance. And so once you actually start observing yourself getting higher level wins, you start to believe you can do more of that. And usually what happens is the first one's the hardest, but once you start to normalize that and position yourself at that level, and a lot of identity, by the way, is positioning yourself mentally and emotionally. You position yourself mentally and emotionally at the level of your standard, at the level of your future self, but then you start actually making it a standard externally in the world. You start saying, no, this is the standard. And you start saying no to things that are less than that. This could include people, by the way, like how people talk to you. You train the world how to treat you. And so if you now have a higher standard for how you're treated, if someone's treating you a certain way, you'll say, you know, would you please not treat me that way? It might surprise some of the people. There's actually a really funny and great quote from George Bernard Shaw. He said, the only sensible person I know is my tailor because my tailor takes my measurements anew each time he sees me, whereas everyone else goes about with their old measurements, assuming that I will still fit them. So the idea is, is that as people, we're always evolving, we're always changing, we're always growing, especially if you're someone who's continually clarifying your future self and then making that the standard and then saying and then failing towards that standard. Ultimately, you're going to be evolving and growing and transforming. There's actually a beautiful psychological concept on this called psychological flexibility. It's based on a concept called acceptance and commitment therapy. It is, is that you have clear values and goals to which you are moving towards and that along the way, you're going to be dealing with a lot of emotions. One key aspect of this is that you don't view yourself as the content of your thoughts and emotions. A lot of people think that they are their thoughts and emotions. Instead, you don't want to view yourself as content. You want to view yourself as a context. And you're the context of your thoughts and emotions. 
your context also expands beyond you. Like this environment around me, this is part of my context that makes me as a person. Uh, I'm a lot more expansive and holistic than just this person with thoughts and feelings. No, I am the context and my thoughts and feelings are part of that. And when you change the context, you also change the meaning, but also the value of the content. Once you change the context, the, co the content changes as well. So as you become increasingly flexible at handling, dealing with emotions, not suppressing them, not avoiding them, but but just being aware of them, accepting, acknowledging them, and then ultimately continually transforming yourself and continually accepting them and moving forward towards your goals, you start to become insanely flexible. Flexible is important as well because you become flexible enough to let go of the things that no longer fit the filter. A lot of the things that will have gotten you here could have been strategies, behaviors, your old story, your old identity, every everything reaches an expiration date where it reaches basically a plateau and it stops being valuable and eventually it starts to be detrimental. And so what got you here won't get you there in a big aspect of psychological flexibility and just ultimately being able to outgrow or shed your former identity so that you can continually embrace your new standard, your new identity is to let go of the things that used to work, the the, the strategies, the behaviors, the uh, the story, the relationships, the the situations, the commitments that once got you here and were very valuable are no longer getting you there. And as a rule, people have a big aversion to loss. We feel loss when we let things go. We feel loss when we we have to let go of a relationship or a, or a behavior or or a habit or an addiction or whatever, even a story of ourselves. We, we feel like we have to let this thing go and we feel like it's a big loss. The reason we feel like it's a big loss is for three reasons. There's three psychological kind of uh, branches, I guess you could say, core branches that come from the loss aversion tree. So lot, as humans, we avoid loss and we avoid loss for three reasons. One is sunk cost bias. As people, when we invest ourselves into anything, um, we now feel like we need to keep investing in it because if not, we've wasted that investment. You know, so if you're if you've invested even a little bit of money they've found in a bad like movie, right? You'll just keep watching it because you invested 10 minutes or 20, 20 bucks. Like we'll watch through something we don't really want to do. Or even if you've invested a lot into a relationship or a career path or whatnot, you'll keep going on a path when it's now proven to be unprofitable towards your higher goals. You'll keep, it may have been a little profitable at a time. It may have gotten you some, some progress toward where you want to go, but at some point it's proving unprofitable, but you'll keep investing in that. So sunk cost bias, we all get caught in sunk cost bias, but I love Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winning psychologist who actually formulated that idea and what's called prospect theory. And he basically says he has no sunk costs and he actually has what's called a quitting coach, someone who helps him <laughs> let go of things which are no longer useful, whether those are ideas, behaviors, actions, relationships, paths. He lets him go. He says he has no sunk costs because he has someone who helps him through that. So the second form of loss aversion which makes it really hard to let go of the things that got you here so that you can then start saying no to those for your new standards. The second one is endowment effect. Endowment effect means you just, you overvalue what you have or own. You also overvalue your own thinking. You overvalue your own perspective. You overvalue your own ideas. I wrote this book, but I know that in the future, my future self is going to have a different view, even about that book. But we have a sense of ownership. So just because I wrote a book, I might think, well, that book must be true. No. My future self is going to know that that book's not true. My future self is going to have better wisdom, better perspectives, better data. And so it's good to let go of not only physical items that you own, which we tend to overvalue, but also mental items, your belief systems, the things you've created, the things you own. You want to let go of those, but we tend to overinflate and overvalue the things we own physically, also our ideas, our identity, our behavior. 
The third one is consistency principle. This is something that Dr. Robert Cialdini has spent a lot of time studying. But as people, we have a desire to not only view ourselves as consistent, we want to view ourselves, our our identity, our behaviors, and our you know, and our our words. We want to have all these things be in alignment. We we want to be viewed as consistent with other people as well. And so this is one of the reasons why people get stuck holding on to things that aren't valuable is because they want to be seen as consistent to themselves and other people. So these three things can lead us to holding on to things much longer than we should. So as you continually raise your minimum standard, and now this takes me to the Dan Sullivan four-step model, you got to commit to the new standard because again, as people, our identity is what we're most committed to. Everything we do is what we're most committed to in terms of our story, our narrative, but also our standards. And so once you commit to a new standard, Dan's four C's are commitment, courage, capability, and confidence. So as you commit to the new standard, that now takes you to a place of courage where you're now going for no. You're also saying no to things or maybe letting go of things that were your bread and butter for a long time. You're now letting go of things, call it the 80% of things on the 80-20 principle. You're letting go of the 80% of things that don't matter anymore, but maybe you've held on to for a long time out of security or out of fear or out of attachment. So you start letting go of the things that don't that are below your standard, which also may be the core aspects of your livelihood, which take enormous courage, but also you're now trying to fail at the level of your future self, which means that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be succeeding. But if you stick with it and if you're psychologically flexible and if you're, if you are committed, you will eventually start getting yeses. You'll start to develop capability and knowledge and wisdom and perspective. That's the third C is you go from commitment to courage. And through this cycle, you're going to go through extreme learning, which ultimately is going to lead to the development of capability that you didn't have before. Till eventually you can start to normalize the new standard, and that's when you have higher levels of confidence. When you have higher levels of confidence, now you have a new plane of not only reality because you've now reached a new norm where consistently and reliably you can now live at the new standard, but also now spatially you can see things you couldn't see before. You're higher up on the mountain, I guess you could say, and so you can now see and attract opportunities that your former self couldn't see. I love the quote from James Allen. He said that men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. So as you evolve, transform yourself, you not only see things differently because now you're a different person and we don't see things as we, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, right? So you don't see the outside world accurately. Even you watching this video, you don't see the same thing I see as I'm saying it. You see your own interpretation based on your own model, based on your own lens. So you don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are, but also you don't attract as a person what you want. You attract what you are. Because you see what you are and also you bring forth what you are. So as you evolve yourself consistently to higher and higher levels of standards and start saying no to the standards below, you train the world to treat you differently. You start to train yourself, the world externally to see you as your chosen future self internally. You visualize your future self. You position yourself mentally as your future self. You reach a place subconsciously where what you want is what you believe you deserve. As Dr. David Hawkins said in his book, Letting Go, he said that your unconscious will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve. So as you evolve yourself mentally and emotionally, even spiritually and on an identity level, and then you externalize that by making standards, which you now seek for and explain to people, this is the new standard. And you start saying no to things below that standard, letting go of things that no longer fit the filter. Then you start to reach higher levels of capability and confidence and you evolve yourself quickly by committing, going through courageous cycles, building new skills, capabilities. You also become more flexible as a person, easily letting go of things, uh, not holding on to some cost bias and down effect or consistency principle, but you're letting go of those things and you're just incre increasingly flexible, transformable as a person. Uh, and then you just keep raising the standard, but specifying the standard. 
One last concept is called fitness function, which is just the idea that as people, we're always optimizing towards something, and we're also becoming increasingly specific based on what we're focusing on, based on what we're giving our attention to. We're always becoming more and more specific as people. And so the ideal thing is is that your 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 standards don't only get higher, but they've become more and more narrow, be more and more specific where you're optimizing yourself for what you truly want, and you're becoming the person you want, and you're letting go of the things that just don't fit who you genuinely want to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Your Future Self podcast. I'm Dr. Benjamin Hardy, author of Be Your Future Self Now. Be sure to go to futureself.com, put your email in, and get immediate access to all the goodies. The one-page Future Self cheat sheet, which I recommend you print and put somewhere close by so that you can reference it. The full Future Self course and other goodies, such as my Peak State Checklist, which has been downloaded almost a million times, and my ebook, Slipstream Time Hacking. Go to futureself.com, get those free goodies, and until next time, Be your future self now. Talk to you soon.